Studios. It's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Huh, I dare you, Power Fives. I got a pretty pretty big platform that I can step on. Yeah. And if I find you in my kids' DMs, and if I find you talking to high school coaches about my kids, if you're in my roster, I'm going to call your ass out. I'm going to say it by name to the biggest voices in television today, and it's going to make game day, and it's going to make Sports Center, and it's going to make, because by the way, those guys running Sports Center are still my friends. That's right. I still got their So sales. go ahead. I dare you to jump into my roster. Well, there's uh, Trent Dilfer getting pretty aggressive, sounding like a jealous boyfriend a little bit, right? Um, I mean, I understand what he's saying there 100%. Coaches, Division One coaches trying to come in and poach his roster. Um, now, if a kid enters the transfer portal, obviously things are on the up and up. That's one thing, right? But... If coaches are in there on kids that are not trying to get in the portal, that's another. So, just lost Teddy from the uh, Newcastle Casino. Uh, yeah, that's Trent Dilfer. He's a head coach at UAB. One, it's highly entertaining, right? The thought that even though UAB isn't a Power Five school, that another coach could publicly call out another coach in college football a power five coach for trying to take one of his players by tampering like that thought alone is highly entertaining especially someone with as big of a reach as Trent Dilfer which is what he's saying like I don't I don't know if mm-hmm. p5 coaches out there are going to take that threat seriously but to me it's it's highly entertaining um I think maybe it's even a little bit smart however if Trent Dilfer tries to do the same thing, then that's going to look very hypocritical. And I'm not – I don't necessarily think that he's going to, but if there's ever a thought about UAB trying to tamper with the kid, then that's going to turn out to be a pretty bad look by him. Yeah. I I guess I'm not – if you're going to talk that way, I'm guessing you're not going to be someone that's out there tampering. Uh, you know, I guess you can't – you never know what one of your coaches is doing, though, right? I mean, that's – you can't police everything all the time. And if, you know, there's a lot of pressure on coaches to go out there and get top-notch players, then I guess you never know what could happen there. So it could come back is to him. Is it smart but, by him to do that, especially with the notoriety that he has and the following I, that he has? I'm not necessarily sure. Um because, uh, like, for is that going to keep coaches out of his roster? Yeah, I think it is, for sure. But it also gives the appearance that you're not going to let your players transfer anywhere, right? And I know that's not the case. That's not what he's saying. All he's saying is, you don't come into my roster before a kid is in the transfer portal. Sure. If a kid enters the transfer portal, then obviously, you know, you've got, you know, within the rules, you do whatever everyone else can. But I don't know that it's necessarily taken that way by everyone. Does that make sense? Like I could see, I could see kids thinking, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to go there because he's scaring all the other coaches away 
that might be looking at our roster for transfer portal guys, whether your name is in there or yeah, not. Yeah, like, maybe. I just feel like it could be know. taken that way I, by players. Uh, I, I guess I kind of like with his situation at UAB, I, I kind of like it. Like we saw Kent State, right? Uh, I don't remember what Kent State's record was last year, but I do remember they had Colin Schley, a quarterback that I think we respected when we saw him in person. They had a wide receiver that was really good and a head coach that felt like he was on the come up a little bit. Well, you can understand the, the, the head coach leaving, that happens, but the quarterback is at UCLA right now and the wide receiver is at Penn State, I believe. Correct? So, yeah, I think I, that's right. So I could see how it's so frustrating to get a big-time player, a couple of big-time players in, and they're just off to a P5. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Trent Dilfer, other schools like UAB, if he got a lot of text after saying that, saying, hey, good stuff, man. That was awesome. Yeah. Well, I think there's a like, what is it? Those uh, anonymous coaching things that we read every now and then. I mean, there's a lot of coaches in there that I think feel that way, but for whatever reason, aren't voicing it. Maybe because it's happening to their roster, which mean, and, and this is just how it goes. When it's happening to your roster you're going to answer back by kind of doing the same thing. You're not going to sit there and watch your entire roster be chewed up and not go out there and start doing the same thing that you're seeing everyone else in college football do to you with no consequences or repercussions. So uh, that's why I'm guessing that no one has really come out that forceful is probably because, you know, they may have done it a time or two themselves. Yeah. Uh, just in response. A few texts we move on. Kendall says, Trent Dilfer is all bark and no bite. He's not going to do anything. Clickbaits. Russ, uh, let's see. This one says, Dilfer was talking to Stinkin' Lincoln and Prime. Cherokee Sooner says, just to play devil's advocate. The NCAA has proved that they don't have the cojones to do anything seriously about tampering. So what's to stop coaches from trying it anyways? Well, seems to me like right now nothing we all i think we all agree that tampering is going on that through whatever means through high school coaches through through relatives or friends or agents like some type of channels a lot of guys know where they're going in the transfer portal before they even enter and like the the like the little week or or 10 days or two weeks before they announce is basically just a formality right to throw anyone off their scent take a visit or two here and there talk to some other schools but you know where you're going and that's really why you entered so i, I feel like we all know that that's going on so i i until the NCAA starts actually doing something about it, well, that's what you're going to get. Sure. If if you're not prosecuting a crime, guess what people are going to do? They're going to continue to commit that crime until, until it becomes apparent that something happens. This is on our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram pages, all of them. Who's the most dominant Oklahoma high school player in any sport you've seen in person? Uh, I'll give you a couple of minutes to think about it while I get – I'm going to give, like, Three in three different sports. Like my number one is is Blake Griffin, because it was like the one time I saw Blake Griffin in high school. I've told you this before. He yeah. played a he played a high school that we were rivals with that were very comparable in overall talent as to what we were. Ampo, and to see him just dunk on them 
all night long from the start till the end of the game was very eye-opening. Like, oh, whoa, okay. Well, when you play Class A, B, 2A schools all the time, then you see what a real Power 5 Division One athlete looks like. It looks pretty different. Like, that was yeah. domination unlike anything I've ever seen at the high school level. Like, Which Blake Griffin I, I, put on a show like he had a – Ten-year-old ba- or ten ten-dollar basketball goal in his room, and just throwing dunks left and right. It was silly. Dunking on the the basketball oh goal gosh. that's in the door jam. Yes. So he ended up being close to six eight, right? Six seven. Uh, Is that what he was? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, was, and, and he's and Ampo's big kid at the time was probably I don't six one maybe maybe six and, two if that. So what? What do you think he was at the time? Was he six five, six six? I he he Easy. was probably six six. I would guess. Yeah. I mean, it was it was his last year at OCS, and it was just it was I, again. I I've just I've never seen anything like that at in any sport, Oklahoma High, and he did that a lot, a lot to a lot of other teams. But right. what he did that night at USAO to Ampo was like those were our rivals. I we're, we hate those guys, hated those guys. Even I felt sorry for him that night with what they were having to go through. It was it was pretty rough. So Blake Griffin is uh, Blake Griffin is my answer, and I know there's been a few responses on that as well. Um, uh, others, real quick, and then we'll move on. We'll get to some other responses on Twitter. Yeah. Jermaine Gresham, high school football for me, oh, yeah, coming out of Ardmore, just because I guess like Blake Griffin, he was so much taller than everyone his last year, um, and he was dominant, of course, big time recruit. Jermaine Gresham's my high school football uh, uh, nominee there. And then Jordy Mercer from Taloga, who graduated with like seven kids at Taloga. And I don't even know if that's a school anymore, but he was a big-time high school baseball player, went on to OSU, and then played several years in the bigs. Yeah. He was legit. I don't don't know that I ever saw – anyone that dominated like on the level of like what you're talking about with Blake Griffin um like that that level of domination is something that you're talking about like what he go in the draft that's like a number one overall number one overall draft pick to the NBA multi-year all-star played a bunch of 2A like and there's good high school basketball in 2A but you know, for the most part, it's a bunch of kids that are undersized and shooting threes. And yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. Like one of the closest things I can think of was Wes Sims in high school. You know, he was you know six five, close to six six. You know, like three hundred and twenty five pounds. In high school, he ran like a four eight forty, uh, you know, all all American like shot and disc, five hundred close to five hundred pound bench presser, and this is all in high school, and he played in four A, and on film, like he would just <laughs> like launch kids, I, not like crush them, like it was never like really forceful hits. He would just like eject them bench press wise where they would just nice. go flying and like <laughs> rolling like backflips off of the line of scrimmage <laughs> and he would do like like sometimes like three kids on one play it was uh, just it was incredible that's, so that's why he was a five star yeah it makes sense yeah. now yeah it just it, unbelievable seeing that because 
Like when we played them, our defensive end that lined up across from West Sims that day in the state championship game, uh, um, what was his name? Uh, Nathan Parker was probably 5'7", 155 pounds. Just, just a joke. Just no, yeah. no chance. Yeah. And I'm sure Nathan was a very good high school football player, especially for Eve, even for the yeah. size that he was at. But yeah. he had no chance that day. No chance. No chance. Yeah, because the tight end next to Wes Sims, double, you know, double team in the defensive end was Lance Donnelly. You know, 6'4", 235 pounds at that point. Yeah, that, <laughs> but Wes Sims, like to me, that's the closest I saw to like someone that was just absolutely dominant, dominating on a level that you can compare to like Blake Griffin just dunking on everyone. Uh, okay, let me read a, a bunch of these Twitter responses. We'll get to the text line as well. Just try to roll through as many as we can. Ryan P says, absolutely Rocky Kalmus, great linebacker and an extremely good running back. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, I, I mean, just those jinx teams back then, but especially him, yeah, I, I could – absolutely see how someone would say Rocky Kalmus. Now, I did watch, um, I think his name was David Thompson from Oak Mulgee. Now, I was young. I was probably in the maybe the seventh grade, maybe even younger, maybe fifth grade. And they played against, Oak Mulgee played against Fort Gibson, and he had like, seriously, like 600 yards rushing in one night. Jeez. Yeah, it was, and he went and played at Oklahoma State, and then he spent a little bit of time in the NFL. I don't know, I don't know how long he was there, but uh, that that night was a joke. <laughs> that was that was about as dominant so as you could I, be. Like when you count the the text line, I mean, we're we're probably around three hundred responses right now. So so I can't count every single vote to see who the true win- winner is. I'm just going through the feed and just trying to, you know. You know, just try and guess who the top three are. Now, I, yeah. I, I did include a photo of Jason White at Tuttle, so I don't know if that helps his chances or not, but Jason White is probably getting the most votes right now. And photo attached or not, like that's one hell of an answer. Like Miami absolutely wanted Jason White during that time. Oh, yeah. He, he, I mean, that was – I mean, he was such a big-time recruit that Bob made it a point to go see him at his home and flip that recruitment and got him to OU, which was massive. And so he was also – wasn't he a, like a McDonald's All-American basketball, basketball player? Yeah, yeah, yeah two-sport athlete. Not shocking so, when you remember the athleticism he had early in his OU career. That's funny. I I didn't know – I didn't realize – I saw that tweet. I didn't realize that that was Jason White. That's funny. Really? Did the, the, yeah. the number 17 throw you off, or uh, I wonder what it was? I just – I didn't even – I just looked at it and thought you just grabbed just a random picture. I don't oh, know why. Come on, there's a little bit more thought into it than just that. Uh, that Jason White me. is getting the most. Reggie Smith out of Edmond Santa Fe is getting a lot of play. And I know that he came after you at OU, but I think he was a four-star coming out of Santa Fe. Yeah. Uh, big-time special teams player, obviously a big-time safety at OU as well, so I can see that one. And then another guy that's getting um, a lot of play is James Allen out of Winniewood. Yeah, I don't know how much you remember out of him or from him, but um, had a very memorable moment in his OU career at one point. Yeah, in Dallas, Texas. Now, I now I think it was Winniewood. So I think whenever I was in high school, the number one recruit in the state. 
was a running back from Winnie Wood that was going to break all of his records and was going to break all the state records. I think his name was David Knowles, and I think he I think he died in a football game in high school. Oh wow! From a brain injury. But apparently, I never got to see him play. But apparently, like that, he was he was like. That number one player in the state was like just torching all of the records, and you know, I don't, I, I can't remember what all happened there, but sad deal for yeah. sure. Um, another good answer would be whoever you think is the best player to ever come out of Ada. A lot of people would right. say Brandon Daniels might be that yeah. guy. So and I, yeah. I think we've got a a few texts on him. I, I'm just going to read several here. You stop if you. You hear anything that you're interested in? JT Real Muto, who's having a heck of a uh, major league yeah. baseball career. Selman Brothers that you follow, of course. Mike Gaddis is on here. Uh, a lot of funny people saying Jim Thorpe. They they saw him in person. <laughs> uh, Ron L. Lewis was extremely dominant playing oh, at gosh, Dewar, I, which I is can imagine. eight man. And that that kind of goes to my Blake Griffin pick is just. It was just truly a man amongst boys out there, and just totally unfair. Like there's there's nothing you could do to stop it. Nothing. Right. I can't. What are you going to do? I, I mean, he didn't he go on to be, and maybe he still is, doing MMA? I mean, his nickname was The Hammer at OU, right? Ron L. Lewis right. playing eight-man? That'd be, that'd be, oh, God, terrifying. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Like, that dude was put together. Yeah, A lot of James Allen Winniewood here. I, yep. um, and, and I heard that he was a big-time recruit coming out of Winniewood, but, yeah, man, he is – not getting as many votes as Jason White, but definitely in the top three. Now, obviously, Bradford went on to win the Heisman, but he wasn't he wasn't like a five star three recruit. star. But he did it all up there yeah. at uh, PC PC North. He kind of played everything. Like he, he was an incredible basketball player too, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, he was, and a golfer as well. I tell you, the best individual play. I think Isn't he I, a real good hockey player too. Yeah, that may be right. The best individual play. I ever saw live uh, from a high school player, Dahu Green from Westmore. He had a catch in the end oh, zone yeah. and more that would, it was viral on YouTube. And obviously, you know, he picked OU. His OU career didn't end up all that well. But that's probably the best individual play I've ever seen is from Dahu Green. Wow. Yeah, there's been some uh... – Daniel <laughs> Knowles is who you're thinking of, by the Daniel way. Daniel Knowles, okay. Ruptured a blood vessel in his neck. Golly. Yeah, just brutal. Brutal. Yeah, so, like, within two years, um, Daniel Knowles was the number one recruit in the state. I think that's right. I People may correct me on that, but I'm pretty sure that was right. And then in in my recruiting class, there was a, a tight end from uh, – was it a tight end from Vianne that I think had a heart attack or something and and passed away? Jeez, yeah. And he was he was one of one of the top recruits, big tight end. I think it was Vianne. Oh, I'll remember his name. Um, best uh, best name ever in Oklahoma high school football, and I think he was an Oklahoma kid. Um, cocaine Mothershed. Yeah, got to be Douglas. the best name, right? He was a stud, too. He could play now. Yeah. Rombrose Jones. A lot of people asking if you remember him. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, Bristow. Yeah. We, he was in the same recruiting class. One more, Jeremy Shockey from Ada. That sounds like another one that was uh, man amongst boys. Well, you know, level. I think it was an interesting thing with Shockey because he played wide receiver, but you know he I, he went the JUCO route out of high school. I I think he I, I'm sure he was dominant. I mean that whole team was dominant. But like when you hear guys from that era from Ada. They talk about Brandon Daniels. Yeah. Um, Underrated so. was uh, your boy linebacker coach that's now at USC, Brian Odom. He was a great running back there at a Oh, yeah. He was the leading all-time leading rusher of the state of Oklahoma for a long time. I think someone eventually broke his records, but, yeah. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Keep the text coming, 651-3439. We'll be back. It is the rush on the ref. It's time for our Under the Radar segment brought to you by Boy Street Ventures. Boy Street Ventures is a venture capital firm that provides funding and guidance for promising under the radar sooner startups. Learn how you can help support OU innovation at BoydStreetVentures.com. When thinking of a segment idea today for Under the Radar, I thought, well, how about someone during this uh, athletic academic year that had maybe an under the radar type of season in any sport, right? Yeah, And I don't know what sport or what particular player you immediately think of, but I immediately went to a player that had great numbers. It's a very recognizable name. I, I guess I didn't realize just how good her numbers actually were at the end of the year. And she was voted WCWS All-Tournament Team. But Riley Boone, I think, had still a little bit of an underrated season in terms of what her regular season as a whole looked like. Not just a great postseason. Like, Tiare Jennings right. led the team with a 415 batting average. Then you had Brito at 412, Kinsey Hansen at 409, Jada Coleman at 408, and then it was Riley Boone at 392. Like, she was your nine hole hitter essentially the entire year. She hits 390. For your nine hole hitter to hit 392 and have the fifth highest batting average on the entire team. Right. Like, everyone knew about her in the postseason, but I think Riley Boone still had a very underrated season as a whole, starting 61 to 62 games. So that's that's yeah. my submission there. That's a pretty good one. Um, like, if we're just talking about everyone, I uh, – it's hard maybe not to go with the uh, girl that broke the all-time three-point record Taylor for NCAA. Robertson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that's, that's pretty good. And I know we celebrated it at the time, but whenever you look back on, you know, the full calendar year or the academic year of, of athletics, that kind of, I think, whenever you talk about softball and, and some of the other stuff that's gone on, maybe a little bit forgotten about, that's a huge achievement. Anybody from the football team stand out? I, I guess I immediately thought of Eric Gray. And it's not really talked about all that much because, well, one, he's off to the NFL. But even with, what, just under 1,400 yards this year, most yeah. of the talk was about the disappointing 6-7 and seven season. Right. But Eric Gray really was good last year. I would I, I would kind of say the same thing about Anton Harrison. Yeah. I, he just quietly, at left tackle, locked down the edge. You know, it was – the offense, offensive line, rather, was a, a bit of a work in progress throughout the season. You know, it was 
started off kind of suspect and I think continued to get better and better throughout the year, baby steps better and better. But he was, like, after, like, the second or third game, he was locked down pretty much the entire year. And, you know, he got better and better, obviously worked himself into a really high draft pick. So I would go with Anton Harrison. Yeah, but, you're, I mean, we didn't really – like we we thought that he his his ceiling was high, but how often during the year did we talk about him being a first round pick? Not 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 a lot. Not right. towards the end of the year, sure. Yep. And yep. that battle that he had with Will McDonald up there in Ames, you look back at it now and you say, "Whoa, that's that's a big boy battle." Yeah. For a game that really didn't have a lot on the line at the time. Yep, that's right. And I'm trying to think defensively if there's anyone that I would I would classify. As having an under the radar good year, I mean, can you can you throw Bowman out there as under the radar? I mean, I well, think pretty I much mean, everyone would check the box on him. Yeah, having a, I, I mean, I, I when you consider him maybe the best defensive player on this year's team, it's it's hard to say under the radar. But we did see what life was like without him. And I guess it, if you did anything good on defense last year, it was under the radar. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at the defensive numbers, and I know that those don't tell the whole story, but really trying to find someone that was under the radar, and, man, not not, not really, to be honest. Yeah. But I, I am looking more at Eric Gray, and, I mean, 6.4 yards per carry. That's that's really good. Yeah. I mean, that's two, was... yards more, two yards more a carry than, like, the, the next best on the team. Yeah. Yeah, he – I but we can't say under the radar, though, because, you know, there was a good portion of the of the year whenever he was one of our – That's true, yeah. Like, I, I guess I just say under the radar players. because there's just so much negative when you when you think well, about last year immediately. Really, I, if you really want to talk about under the radar, it would probably be Dylan Gabriel, <laughs> you know? With the numbers that he put up, I – and, and – not hate, but you know, there's there's some naysayers out there that that aren't sure like what his ceiling is. Uh, but you know, statistically, last year, twenty five touchdowns, six picks, sixty two percent completion percentage. Yeah, and whenever you compare it to the rest of the conference, was yeah. like Ewers didn't have those numbers. No. No, Texas wins ten games. Maybe if if yours well, has those numbers, I think Duggan had better numbers, but he played fifteen games. You know, and that's kind of listed in the in the final numbers. I don't know what the conference totals all looked like, but I mean, I don't know. I I don't. It, it, the season Dylan Gabriel had last year is, it's really weird. It's, I think it's better than what a lot of people think it was like if you were to ask like what statistically how do you think dylan gabriel did last year i think his numbers would be way better than what a lot of people think but at the same side of that is like he also left a lot of meat on the bone you know there's there's plenty of plenty of things that you can go back and look at and and you know, be frustrated with and say that we had some some really good opportunities that we didn't take advantage of. Yeah, like when I look at the numbers, I guess they're not that surprising. Like even the six interceptions, which before the year, we absolutely would have taken that. Like with, with an offense that we knew was going to be up-tempo quite a bit. Right. Um, six interceptions, absolutely. I I just don't remember a ton of back-breaking interceptions last year. 
When I think of the negative though with him, I just I remember a lot of missed layups from him. And so I, that's kind of reflected a yep. bit in that 62% um, percentage, I think. So I, I guess that's the, that's the first number that pops out to me, is yeah. the 62%. That's, that's got to be a lot better. No, I, I agree. There, you know, there were some – there were incompletions that should have been layups, as you, as you mentioned. But I, I, the completion percentage to me is – it's not a very accurate metric, in my opinion, anymore, considering all of the just 100% easy throws, bubbles, swings, touch pass um, plays. I think there's an artificially inflated fair. Uh, completion percentage in college football. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. But with that being said, if you have someone that has a 62%, True. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if he if someone's you know seventy one percent then yeah but it's like okay well if that's true then why is that number sixty two percent and it just yeah. just not there weren't very many things that came easy at the offense last year yep even nope, throws down the field all right quick timeout more from the rush coming up we'll hit some things that caught my eye next the word is spreading and the ref army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network and worldwide on the KREF app. At Landers Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Norman, we're feeling good. How good? Jumping into summer savings good. And the foundation. See you're somewhere. It's What Caught Teddy's Eye, brought to you by Yala Gosney Law. Have you heard hiring a lawyer makes your insurance claim take even longer? Not at Yala Gosney Law. They work to keep your claim moving forward and fight delay at every single turn. That's Yala Gosney Law, 405 Let's get to it. Store number one is. Well, I had to start with um, Red Hot Reds prospect and it you you hit on it with the uh, the Braves ending the streak yep, that came told you. came through two out of three. But how about Ellie De La Cruz hitting for the cycle? How crazy was that? Yeah, he is. Um, he's the next big thing in Major League Baseball. And Joey Votto, who's been around the block a time or two, still got some pop in the old bat as well. Mm-hmm. I think he said he's going to be the next Mickey Mantle in this sport, which yeah. is like, whoa, okay, wow. Well. I was going to ask you about this because from time to time we will see a new prospect burst onto the scene. Uh, I don't know. There's been a handful, five, ten guys over the last five years or so that have these incredible first couple weeks. But, you know, that's whenever the league doesn't know how to throw you yet, pitch you. And once they get their heat map and figure out exactly what their strengths and weaknesses are, that typically falls off pretty quickly. You think we're going to see some of that with him? Oh, I'm sure he's going to go through a slump like everyone else that's yeah. ever played the game will. But is he going to consistently be a really good hitter and a player that hits for power and gets on base and makes exciting plays? Absolutely he's going to be that. The athleticism that he has, just kind of naturally what his swing is at the plate. He like I, 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 I don't know if I'm ready to go full Joey Votto and say he's the next Mickey Mantle. But yeah. is he going to be a big thing in Major League Baseball moving forward? Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely he is. Dude, watching him hit that triple for the cycle. What? First 
first player in Major League Baseball history to hit for the cycle, steal a base, and knock in, what, four-plus runs, I think, was the stat line. Just incredible Only stuff. Only 21 years old, too. Man. I know it. Um, the other thing I had is how about this West Virginia saga going on? Uh, we know Bob Huggins, the, the issue there uh, was let go or resigned, however that thing came to a conclusion. But, you know, West Virginia is trying to hire a coach. They were talking with John Bayline, and it sounded like they were going to get maybe something done or were in some serious discussions. And players and maybe some influential boosters really pushed back on that, and they had to uh, they had to abandon that and hire from within for on an interim basis for the entire next year. They are putting off their head coaching search until next off season. Don't love that. What, they lost a player to uh, Kentucky here yeah. recently as well? And th- well, that's what the, the big thing was is that Huggins had landed a really, really good portal class. Yeah. And they're trying to hang on to it. Yeah. Um, I, look, I, I understand it's a it was a tough situation and tough timing for all of that, but I think mm-hmm. they could have done a much better do- job of doing their due diligence. of Like, like Texas, for instance, right? It's, you know, they didn't just have to hire – Rodney Terry at the end of the year, they could have, you know, gone through the entire interview process. And if he's the best yeah. candidate, hire him. Like I don't, I'm not crazy when you just promote from within if they're not obviously the best candidate. And I think that's what West Virginia did here is just yeah. to promote from within to make a few people happy. I don't think that's the right way to run a program. Yeah, it may help you in the short term, but. And then you're going to judge this guy. I mean, you're promoting him, and you're going to judge him based on this one year where, I mean, it's probably going to be a rough year for West Virginia, I would think. Right. Yep. Only to hire someone else in a year's time. Uh, Okay, so Friday at about 6.30 p.m. after the show was over, my hot seat rankings looked like this. In no particular order, Neil Brown at West Virginia, Mm -hmm. Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri, and Vladimir Putin of Russia. Yeah. I don't know if you heard uh, there was a coup or not over the weekend. Then it magically kind of stopped. So is Putin still in the hot seat rankings? What's what's going on over there? What's what's the latest? I have no idea. I don't think anyone has any idea what's going on. Number one, I, since the very beginning of, well, even before this whole situation over there even started, you have to take every bit of information you get uh with a grain of salt and that's whether it's generated the information is generated here or if it's generated abroad you just really don't know a whole lot about what's going on so i don't know i've read some pretty wild stuff over there um and you know it's interesting like you typically you can't really call off a coup right you you kind of have to see the thing through to the very end because like, if you just say like, ah, my bad, we were joking. (laughs) There's going to be a missile blow up in your direct vicinity Uh, really quickly. Right. I mean, come on. It's like 24 hours. It was like, all right, call them off. You guys just go back. Come on. Like we usually use, uh, we usually use the flight tracker for uh, off season. Oh, uh, which schools are going to visit which coach. Right. There was mm-hmm. flight tracker being used to track uh, Putin's plane out of uh, out of Moscow, which I guess apparently it ended up turning back or he got back to Moscow. Who knows? Like you said, you can't really trust anything that you hear out, out of either side. But 
Dude, that was wild this weekend. Yeah. Well, I think they're tracking the wrong planes. They need, like, the real hot seat is the guy that's ahead of the uh, Wagner group because those tail num- numbers are fighter jets, and they're probably going to be circling around his head for quite some time. Uh, yeah, I would guess so. So, uh, to short choice, your last year at OU, he was a running back there. Yeah. And he redshirted in 03, played a little bit in 04 behind AD and behind Kiwan Jones, was a great player at Georgia Tech, played in the mm-hmm. NFL. Well, now he's at Texas as their running backs coach, and he's lining it up, man. Got yeah. the number one running back last year, got the number two running back committed this weekend, and apparently he's hot on the trail for one of the best, if not the best, running backs in 2025. Some are considering former Sooner to Tashar Choice the best recruiting assistant coach that Texas has on staff right now. Yeah. How long has he been there? Um, this, this is just his second recruiting class. Okay. I, I think Lincoln initially hired him at USC. He was there for like 10 minutes and then left for the Texas job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because in, was he at Georgia Tech? He was before? at Georgia Tech before going to USC, correct. Yeah, yes. I couldn't remember if there was a stop in between there or not. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's been the book on him for quite some time is that he's he's done really, really well in recruiting. And, you know, that's a, that's it, man. You, if you can recruit, especially at the running back position, I mean, there's some position groups that require, and I'm not suggesting that he's not a good developmental coach, but there's some position groups that require way more, like, hands-on coaching prowess than running back you know what i'm saying sure. like a corner and, and safety yeah some and coaches quarterback are, yeah they're and, they're definitely hired more for their recruiting abilities that's their right. main, main gig absolutely yeah. well, that's big time yeah. uh i hate to, I, I can't say congrats well i guess i'd say congrats to him but i'm not happy about it necessarily uh dj gasso is headed yeah. to arkansas to be an assistant coach she is obviously the son of patty gasso the brother of JT Gasso. He was at Utah last year, that team that made it to OKC. Uh, he will be the hitting coach at Arkansas after three years in that position at Utah. Nice. What do you get for the Hogs? Hey, let's hire a Gasso and let's see if we can uh, get to OKC. Yeah. Um, nice move. Arkansas don't know anything about their softball program. They're a good softball program. They, they've fallen short the past couple of years in the postseason, but they're, they're, they're good. they got a good coach yeah. out there. Yeah, well, um, be interesting to see. Heating up. SEC Diamond Sports are heating up, Tyler. Yeah, uh, last one I have on three. Preseason top 25 goes as yeah. followed. Georgia 1, Bama 2, Ohio State 3, Michigan 4, Texas at number 5, Clemson 6, Penn State 7, LSU 8, Tennessee 9, USC 10, OU is at 13, TCU's at 16, K-State's at 17, and that's really it from the notables there. But, yeah, Texas at number five and on threes preseason top 25 per uh, pro football focus, I guess. Wow. Nice. Okay. Ohio State number one, huh? No, Georgia number one. Oh, Bama Georgia number two, number Ohio State number three. I saw somewhere over the weekend, I don't remember where it was, but I saw someone that had Ohio State number one. I thought that was pretty wild. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up our number two next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. 
At Lander Chevy Norman, we're feeling good. How good? Jumping into summer savings good. And the hottest selection in town good. Right now, take up to $82.50 off the new half-ton Silverado. Or up to... Ad Council. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of the rush. I just read off the uh, on three preseason top 25 per pro football focus. So maybe that's PFF's preseason rankings. Who knows? Uh, 13 for OU. Is that too high, too low, or is that dead on balls accurate for where this team should start preseason? Um, For where they should start preseason, maybe a little too high. You think more like 16, 17? I think 20. 20, wow, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, that there's, I think there's a lot of upside potential, but to me it's like you got to prove it, show it to me. Um, defensively, I feel like there's, there's some really good, good opportunity there at most position groups to have – uh, you know, a big swing, not just be a little bit better, be a lot better a lot of those spots, but, you know, who cares what you think? We got to see it, you know. Um, offensively, kind of this, the same thing. I'm, you know, I'm optimistic on the offensive line, but it's you're going to have to prove it. I think that they, like, it may take them a little bit to really get in sync and hit their stride. They need to stay healthy. Um, we'll see with Dylan Gabriel. Can he can he have a, a more aggressive uh, season than he did a year ago? Be able to push the ball down the field, be a part of the running game. Uh, you know, be better at some of the intermediate stuff. And can a star emerge at running back and wide receiver? Like, I I feel good about most of, and not all of those things happening, but. Still, you got to prove it. you got to see it, man. Yeah, well, it, it may take the offensive line a few weeks to gel. May I feel like we say that every single year, but mm-hmm. they're not gelling early on against the non-conference portion of the schedule that they play. Yeah, there will be uh, there'll be some panic on our uh, Monday shows after a game. Well, day. I I imagine they'll be fine early, but you know, like against Iowa State or. My, you, you, maybe even the Texas game. Like you're going to have to see some guys really prove that, you know, we're because we looked solid at a lot of spots the first three games last year as well. You know, so all right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We got the final hour next. You're listening to the home of Sooner fans, K R E F, Norman, Oklahoma, 